So if you're watching us on Facebook, we're really glad that you're watching. Uh, we hope that you don't just experience church online today, um, but that you experience the presence of God in your homes through the power and presence uh, of His Word, right? Today we're taking a break from our Holy Spirit series because I believe that the Holy Spirit has given me a message uh, for East, uh, this Easter for everyone, and I believe this message is for some people specifically. Now, I don't know who that is, but you will, uh, because the Holy Spirit will let you know. If you lean into Him right now, He's going to let you know. He's either going to convict you, or He's going to let you know that I, you need to take this message to so-and-so, because this is exactly where they're at. But listen, you can't lean into this message if you don't get rid of some distractions in your home that lead you away from His presence. So if you can just do that now, uh, turn off whatever is on, um, and get rid of distractions that you can. Uh, by the way, while I'm thinking about it, I heard that there was a little bunny rabbit running around yesterday uh, delivering baskets to our kids. Josh and Rhonda, I found out that you went to every home that you could and had an address for and delivered Easter baskets to all of our children at Light and Life. That just makes me want to cry. Um, I did not tell them to do that. That was totally on their own, and I just you just blew me away. And everything uh, that everybody's doing, and all of you that had a had a role to play in delivering Easter baskets to uh, different floors of our hospital here in Dubois, we're already starting to get a response from people that don't even know us, telling us thank you because in those baskets we put cards of encouragement and verses of passages just to encourage them and thank them. So listen to me, any of you in Dubois. Uh, and in the Tri-County area that are working in the, in the police and the ambulance, nurses, doctors, uh, anyone that has an essential business right now or an essential uh, need, and especially those working in the hospital, we cannot tell you how much we are in awe of you, of your sacrifice and your willingness like Jesus did to put your life on the line for the sake of others. You are living out scripture whether you're a believer or not. And we just want to thank you. My heart is just overwhelmed. And we just wanted to send Dubois Hospital just a little gift of appreciation. Uh, hopefully we can do some more uh, in the future. So thank you. Um, like I said, today there's no notes. Um, today is kind of more like an Easter rant. Uh, if you remember my rant a little while ago, um, I think I just heard Katie say, Yes, I love his rants. Um, I want to start out today, however, with a powerful quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Let me repeat that for you, and I want you to really let this sink into your spirits so that eventually it will bubble up into your soul, whatever God speaks to you through this quote. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. How powerful is that for us right now in the middle of this coronavirus situation that we're facing? But do you know that that quote is not just for now? It is for every day, every situation, every struggle, and every trial of this life. The ultimate measure of a man or woman is not where they stand in moments of comfort or convenience, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. That's how you really measure a man or a woman. Isn't that amazing? Um, some of you were facing challenges uh, and controversies long before this virus uh, hit us. And your life has been very difficult. Some of you have had weeks like Jesus did. Um, we're at the end of Holy Week, and I'm wondering, did you, did you think of Jesus at all this week? Did you think of what he had gone through during Holy Week? Or did you just, uh, did you allow your own troubles to keep you preoccupied and not really take Easter very seriously? Amy spent Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday reminding us of what Holy Week was like for Jesus. And I wonder this Easter if maybe most of us, most of us can relate uh, to Jesus' life and what he experienced here on earth. I wonder how many of you can relate to something on the list that I'm about to show you because this is what Jesus experienced in one week's time. 
and maybe you've experienced some of this at some point in your life. But remember, Jesus experienced this in one week's time. You ready? He was misunderstood. He was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was falsely accused. He was condemned, rejected, spit on. Now, not literally. He was literally spit on. You may be spit on with like words or what some, some of our, our, uh, um, our folks here say slimed on, right? So it may not be literally spit on, but you know words, words that hurt. You may have been spit on, mocked, laughed at. Uh, he was insulted. He was abused mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He was crucified, right? Imagine experience all of this in one week. And eventually on Friday, crucified. The worst possible death known to man. And I know for a fact that some of you believe that you've experienced the worst possible thing that anybody could ever experience. So I know you can relate. And then, and then, on top of all of that, he was thrown into a tomb to die for good, forever, like to disappear. He was already dead, but forever. Can you relate in some way to anything on that list on the screen? I can. Have you ever been misunderstood, betrayed, or falsely accused? I have. By family, friends, and church people. And it caused a lot of confusion in my mind. Have you ever been condemned, abandoned, or rejected? As you look at that list, I have by people I loved and I thought that they loved me. And it caused a lot of hurt and pain in my heart. Have you ever, have you ever been spit on? Maybe not literally, but have you ever been mocked and laughed at and insulted by people? I have by people that didn't even know me, but I still hurt and it made me angry at the world. Have you ever been abused emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically? I have by people who were supposed to protect me, and it caused a lot of unforgiveness and bitterness in me. So here's the question that I want to pose to you this Easter 2020. I want you to listen with your spirits. Are you ready for this? Like Jesus, or, fr or Friday evening of Holy Week, I want you to ask yourself this. Do you feel like you're in a tomb? Do you feel like you're in a tomb right now? Now, Maybe you're wondering, why is he speaking such dark things on Easter? We'll get to that in just a minute. I want you to hang in there with me for a moment. Because for now, I just want you to think. I want you to think deeply. Because even if this isn't for you, it may be for someone else and who is listening. Or someone that you know that you're, you're to take this message to them. Do you feel like you are in a tomb to die? Because of some of those things that we just listed that you may have experienced in your own life. Better yet, how about this question? Have you placed yourself in a tomb? Have you placed yourself in a tomb because of something that someone or people have done to you? After all, isn't that the goal of our enemy? Isn't this the goal of our enemy, to take us out of this life for good? Is it one of his goals to isolate you from people, from God, into a dark, lonely, isolated pit of despair and hopelessness where he can have his way with you? Oh, you, you're probably functioning every day. You're probably walking around. You're probably going to work. You're probably hanging with friends. You're probably even attending church. You're raising a family. You're being a good citizen. But really, really, you're in a tomb. You're lonely. You're withdrawn. You're hurt. You're confused. You're fearful. You're ashamed. You're feeling unworthy. You're, you, some of you feel out of control. You're full of anger. You're isolated in a tomb. Do you understand that when Satan couldn't convince Jesus to follow him, one of his goals was to throw Jesus into a tomb to never be seen again. On Friday, Satan thought he won. He was just a laughing. Now, he didn't have to wait till Sunday because, you know, scriptures, I believe some people say, and I'm not really sure accurately here, that Jesus went into hell and stole the keys of life and death. So, so Satan didn't have to wait till Sunday to get his world rocked. He got rocked the very night of Jesus' death. Think about that. 
because Jesus went down into hell, kicked open the gates and said, nuh-uh, I'm in charge. Give me the keys of hell and life of death. And he took them from him. Isn't that amazing? That was Satan's goal for Jesus, to throw him in a cave, seal the tomb, to never be seen again so that Satan could have his way and win his victory. Wow. Boy, is he in for a big surprise in the end, right? Don't answer this, but just think about this. Don't answer it, just think. What did Jesus do? How does Jesus respond to being in a tomb? Better yet, if that's you this morning, if people, if events in your life or a church or a church leader have caused you to withdraw, build up walls, isolate yourself, run away and hide in a tomb of despair, disappointment, and depression, what will you do? More importantly, what will you do? How will you respond? Because the ultimate measure of a man or woman is not where they stand in moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. Now, that's Martin Luther King Jr. But do you know there are many biblical passages that reflect his quote, like Romans chapter 5, which by the way, by the way, Romans chapter 5, you need to know the author isn't saying that any of this is easy to do. He's encouraging you to have this response to the difficulties of your life. Are you ready? Romans 5, 3 through 5, from the New King James Version. Verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory, we triumph, we rejoice, we praise, we celebrate in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now watch this next part closely because way too many of you that are listening to this have lost your hope in this life. Here is the reason why you rejoice and shout a hallelujah right in the face of your troubles. Verse 5, now hope does not disappoint Hope does not disappoint. You've lost your hope because you've put your hope in all the wrong things. You've lost your hope because you've put your hope in a, in a spouse or a job. You've put your hope in things, the wrong things and the wrong people. But hear God this morning. If you put your hope in me, hope does not disappoint. If you don't get anything from this message, you need to get that. That right there, that empty cross, that empty cross is proof that hope does not disappoint. Think about all the people that were waiting for the Messiah for years and years and years, and they gave up. They said, he's not coming. He's not coming to my tomb. I give up, and then he showed up, okay? Hope does not disappoint, okay? Because, that's the word, we miss these words all the time in the Bible, because. Why does hope not disappoint? Because, and this is what some of you have forgotten, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So many of you find yourself in a tomb of hopelessness this morning because you forgot the because, and I put it in red on purpose to represent the blood of the cross. Because you forgot the because. You forgot or you allowed the enemy to convince you that God doesn't love you, that no one loves me, and you lost your hope, and you lost your hope in anything or anyone else. So listen, when you walk away, when you walk away from the truth of God's word, listen, you are destined for a tomb of hopelessness. When you walk away from the truth of God's word, you are destined for a tomb of hopelessness. But when you remain in the vine, when you remain in the vine of God, no, Jerry, I'm not going to do the dance because you called me big boned and so I'm not gonna, you're not going to see a fat man dancing today. When you remain in the vine of God, when you remain in the vine of his promises, when you remain in the vine of his truth, not your truth, hope does not disappoint. Now, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 4 to you again, and I'm taking a chance that my light and life peeps are going to get tired of this, but I hope not, because it is the word of God. It should always excite you no matter how many times somebody repeats it. But I'm also hoping that there's someone who's listening today that hasn't heard it yet since this virus thing started, right? It goes along with Martin Luther King's Jr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. This is from the message version. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, 
it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish, lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye, right, right? The things we see now, like the virus, like your current situation, like your disease or your illness, the things that you see with your human eyes are here today but gone tomorrow. The things that you don't see with your human eyes, they will last forever. Amen. Isn't that amazing? What an encouraging scripture for the time that we're in right now. This is what I believe God wants to help you with this Easter with the message that he gave me. I believe that there are many who are listening to this who have allowed yourself to be sealed up into a tomb because of some circumstance, some situation, or some trial in this life that you have faced. For some of you, for some of you, you've been tombed up from your faith in God. You've been tombed up from your trust in other people. You have been tombed up from people, period, because people hurt you. You have been tombed up from going to church, some of you, because some church people hurt you. You have been tombed up, some of you, from addictions. You know why? Because someone or something has caused you so much pain that you're unwilling to face it. And so you continue to numb it with alcohol or drugs just so that you don't have to think about it. Do you understand? That's the goal of the enemy, to tomb you up into your addiction so that you don't live for Christ and change the world and make a difference for the kingdom of God. So you numb it, so you don't have to think about it, so that you don't have to face it. And that tomb that you're in of addiction is deep, and it feels like it's just getting deeper. And God wants you to know today that he wants to come into that tomb of addiction. He wants to pull you up, rise you, cause you to be risen, and come out of it. Amen? Today. Today that's going to happen. So lean into this message. Okay? Lean into it. Now, before all you mature Christians that are sitting in front of me, because you're just so mature and so righteous and so holy, I, you know, listen, it's just them, because they're here at church and you're not, so I can't call you holy. No, I'm just joking. Before you mature Christians, before you believers get too bored or too comfortable with this message, some of you think that you're not in a tomb. You think that you've come out of the tomb already, but too many of you have not come out of the tomb. You just think you have. And so many of you, uh, you, you, you may be out of, you may think that you're out of the tomb, but your faith is in a tomb, which means really that you are actually in the tomb with your faith. What do I mean? You're afraid to share the gospel. You have fallen for the fear that we are not supposed to talk about religion in our society in case we offend someone. I, you need to know that is a tactic of the enemy and it is a lie. Believers, I want you to listen up. This is a huge statement. Jesus did not call us to be tomb disciples. Let me repeat that. Jesus did not call us to be tomb disciples. We are not supposed to be ministering and mentoring and loving on people from our tombs. Do I have to remind you of what, Jesus, what James told us in James chapter 2? That faith without works is dead. Christians, you want to, want to know what Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote means for you? It means that Jesus never called us to comfortable Christianity. Let me repeat that. Jesus never called us to comfortable Christianity. In a time or a moment where you feel like the world is pushing back at you just because of what you believe, this is what God has called you to. God has called his people, his people to stand up for him. And to be ambassadors and witnesses that, by the way, he saved you to be. God has called his people to stand up for him and to be ambassadors and witnesses that he saved them to be. Until he returns or until he calls you home, this is what you're supposed to do right here. This is what you're supposed to do. Want to know what Easter means for a Christian in 2020 in America today? You want to know what it means? It's time to rise up and come out. Put on your steel toe boots because when the, when the Holy Spirit downloaded this to me, I was like, ooh, I don't know if I want to say this, but I'm going to say it, okay? Dusty prayed confidence over me this morning, so I'm going to have confidence. 
So it's all Dusty's fault. Listen, Jesus did not come out of his tomb just so you could stay in yours and lay there for 10 years. Let me repeat that. Jesus did not rise up and come out of his tomb just so you could lay in yours and have a pity party for yourself for 10 years. Are you hearing your Savior from heaven this morning? And just for the record, I just figured I would just cover this because I hear all kinds of excuses from Christians. Well, well, I'm too shy to come out of my tomb. God called the shy, the weak, the introvert, the unworthy, the persecuted, the abused, the beat down and weary. He called the treated poorly people to come out of your tomb, take a stand for him, and shout a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. And this is just my introduction. Okay, Woo. hallelujah. I'm fired up. Praise Jesus. I'm going to sing in the middle of my tomb. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Ashes, right? Some people are cremated, so that's, they're still in a tomb, right? Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Despair and depression is defeated. Addiction is defeated. The king is alive. That's why we wanted to sing that song this morning. In the middle of my tomb, I will shout a hallelujah until the seal is broken. And I rise up and come out. Amen. That's what's going to break the seal of your tomb. Worship. Praise. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Yes. The word of God spoken out loud is what breaks the seal of your tomb. The Holy Spirit just gave that to me. It's not in my notes. So for the record, being shy is not an excuse. For the record, being an introvert is not an excuse. You're not supposed to keep your faith in a tomb. Also for the record, I want you to know God commands all believers to attend church. Let me repeat that. God commands all believers to attend church. I had, uh, I've had major issues in churches. I've had major issues in churches. Why do I keep going? Because I don't go necessarily for the people. I go to worship God. I go to learn more about Jesus, and I go to be used by Jesus. Uh, the only part about people that I go for is I want to build other people up. After all, this, 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 this whole thing, you, you name it, this whole life, this whole life is not about me. Even if I lived in an area where it was really hard to find a good church, I am obligated to go to one so that the body of Christ is not missing me, is not missing my part. Now, let's try to get to the message. That's still the introduction. <laughs> It's going to get better, I promise, uh, because we are going to look deeper into God's word uh, together. So it's, this is so good. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me this message. Thank you that this message is going to set your children free from their tombs of depression and addiction. Free, free at last. Oh, I can't wait for the ending song. Dusty has me so pumped up for this last song that we're going to sing. Oh, I can't wait. I just want to sing it now. Isn't it, isn't it true that we all get discouraged at times, right? That's true. I had to fight discouragement off this week. But how many of you, how many of you, I want you to think about this question. How many of you have been in a tomb of discouragement? How many of you have been in a pit of discouragement? I, mine only lasted for a day because I've learned, I've learned how to get out of it. And thank, thank you, thankfully for my father-in-law, Ernie, he was concerned about me. And so I believe he began to pray for me and, and sent me words of encouragement on my phone. Uh, that's why it's important once this virus is over that we hang with each other so that we know the problems that we're facing and we can be an encouragement to each other. But what I want to know from you today is how many of you have ever suffered a pit of depression or despair or addiction for not, for a, not just for a day like I did, but for a month or maybe even for years. We try to live our lives according to God's word, but many times we find ourselves in trouble. We fall into a pit. We fall into a pit that's not only deep, but it's full of mud. The Bible calls the, that mud miry clay. It's so thick. This mud is so thick and it's, that it's very difficult to move out of the, the addiction. It's very difficult to move out of the depression. It's so thick that we, we don't know where the anger's coming from and we don't care. We're just mad. It's so thick that we can't even get out, let alone, we can't move, let alone get out of it. 
And while we are there in this pit, do you know what happens? This is why the enemy's trying to get you into this pit and fill it with mud. Because in that pit, we lose our joy of salvation. We also lose our excitement to serve God and His church and, and other people. And we also lose our determination to be holy people. Now, I heard about a woman who owned a little bird. Uh, this bird lived in a cage. And this bird would sing all day long. That little bird was always happy. He brought joy to the entire house with his singing. One day, the mother was cleaning the house with a vacuum cleaner. And she, she walked by the birdcage, so she thought she would do the bird a favor and vacuum out the bottom of his cage. But while she was cleaning out the bottom of the cage, she dropped an attachment to the vacuum cleaner. And when she bent over to pick it up, uh, she accidentally lifted the hose up to the top of the cage, and all of a sudden she heard something that went, Foomp! and all of a sudden the vacuum started to race the motor. So she quickly shut it off because, like magic, the bird disappeared. He was sucked into the vacuum. This woman was frantic, so she turned off the vacuum cleaner and she opened the bag. She dug around in all of that dirt and dust until she found that little bird. And then when she found it, she gently cleaned out his mouth. She gently wiped off his eyes. She brushed him off, put him back up on his perch in the cage. But you know what? That little bird never sang again. He lost his song. So I have a question for you. Have you lost your song today? It's one of the goals of our enemy. And I think you know what I mean. I don't mean literally singing. Have you lost your song today? Has the devil sucked you up into his vacuum cleaner? Has the devil caused you to lose your song? Listen, most of us have been down in the dev devil's vacuum cleaner at one point in our life. The devil's uh, uh, done his best. He wants you discouraged. He wants you to give up and he wants you to quit. He's done his best, but listen this Easter, his best is not good enough, amen? You see, we serve a God who is greater than any devil. The devil sucks us up, but we just keep coming out, right? The devil sucks us in, we just keep coming out. We just keep rising up, breaking the bag of the vacuum cleaner, and getting out and cleaning ourselves off, amen? And when you come out of the devil's vacuum cleaner, that's my point, when you come out of the devil's tomb, listen, just shake yourself off, clean yourself up, and trust that God will give you a new song. Man, that's enough for me this Easter. Pastor could just shut up and quit, but I got many more pages yet. Wow. Shake yourself off, clean yourself up, and trust that God's going to give you a new song. Isn't that, isn't that the way it works? Isn't that the real reason for Easter? That Jesus would pay the price for our mistakes, take the punishment for our sins. Now listen, here's a separate sermon this Easter. There may be lingering consequences for our choices. See, what I'm noticing today is every, nobody wants consequences for their mistakes. There may be lingering consequences for, the, for your choices and your decision. But can I tell you something? The punishment is gone when you ask for forgiveness. So listen very closely to this. If you've asked for forgiveness, stop punishing yourself. And folks, listen, Christians, everybody listen. We are not to punish other people as well. That is not our role. We are not to hand out or deliver punishment on others for what they've done to us. Now, if they've hurt us, especially if they live in our house, there will be consequences. There will be a list that they have to follow to gain trust back. But the punishment, we have to be careful when we write the list why we're writing the list, right? It's not to, be pun it's not to punish them. It's to restore them. We are not to hand out or deliver punishment on others for what they've done to us. Jesus already paid for that sin and the punishment. You know, because here's the, here's the thing. God wants to give them a new song, and he can't if he, you insist on beating yourself up. He wants to give you a new song, but if you continue to beat yourself up for some mistake in 1970, then he can't give you a new song. And he can't give them a new song if you're holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness towards them. I say set yourself free, and when you forgive them, you set them free and allow God to give them a new song. Now, I'm about to share a passage of Scripture from Psalms 40, if you want to turn there. And I'm telling you, you want to turn there. 
When I found this little gold nugget this week, it just rocked my world. Psalm chapter 40. Turn there and you're going to want to underline it and you want to score it. This is a verse that you're going to want to keep, especially if you find yourself in a tomb this morning. This is totally awesome and it ministers to this very thing, especially if you've lost your song. Or you, maybe you've been crying out from your tomb, but God hasn't showed up yet. Ready for this? I don't know if you are. This is so crazy, so cool. Man, if you're not reading your Bible or if you've decided that the Bible's outdated, you are nuts, you are crazy because this stuff is amazing, amazing stuff. I want you to receive this into your spirit, man, if you feel like you've lost your song, if you've lost your joy, if you've lost your purpose in life. Are you ready? Psalm 40, beginning with verse 1, going to verse 3. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Ready? I waited patiently for the Lord. How patient have you been in your tomb while you've waited for the Lord to show up? Are you still waiting for him? Or have you given up? Has your song, has your song gone from praises to grumbling and complaining and maybe even cursing God? I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. He leaned into me, and he heard my cry from my tomb. He also, verse 2 says, he brought me what? Up and out. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. This is David speaking. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Why is he saying that? Because David can relate to you. It was a horrible tomb that he was in. This pit was deep and the mud was thick. And all you have to do is read David's story to find out that he felt completely hopeless. He brought me up out of a horrible pit and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. That's why you don't have purpose because you've allowed yourself to be in a pit of hopelessness. You're going to the wrong sources for the future of your life. He set my feet upon a rock, and then he told me what I'm supposed to do next. Ready for this? Verse 3. <laughs> this is so beautiful. So beautiful. He has put a what? A new song. A new. Everybody say new. He has put. So David was once in a pit, and, but when God took him out, he gave him a new joy. He gave him a new refreshing. He gave him a new vigor. He gave him new energy, new motivation, a new purpose. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see this new song. They will fear this new song. They won't be able to handle me. And But it will draw them to the Lord. They will trust in because of my new song. They will trust in the Lord. Because people have watched me in that pit and they saw the Lord bring me out of it. Isn't that amazing? What encouragement. What hope. Now, I have to read you the message version. This blew me away. And some of you are going to just love the wording of this. I waited and waited and waited for God. And as he, at last, at last, he looked at me. Finally, he listened. He lifted me out. Everybody say out. He lifted me out. It's part of the message, okay? Rise up and come out. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from the deep mud. He stood me on a solid rock to make sure that I would never slip. Here's the great words that I just couldn't believe. He taught me how to sing the latest God song. Isn't that unbelievable? He taught me how to sing the latest God song. Isn't that just, is that not just beautiful writing? I want this. I want to learn to sing every day, every morning when I wake, the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery. Now, I didn't highlight that. It's bolded, but you can't really see it maybe on the screen. It's bolded. Remember we talked about the mystery of God that the Holy Spirit can reveal to us? Well, guess what? When you sing the latest God song, you draw people into the, a relationship with the Holy Spirit who will reveal the mysteries of God, which is what we're supposed to do next. The will of God for our life. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Listen, I want, I want to, I want to, David wants to, and Jesus wants to. Break the seal of your tomb today, climb into your pit today, look you right in the eyes and say, rise up and come out.
Don't let the devil steal your song with that addiction. He is. He's stealing it with your addiction. That little bird in our story never sang again. He just sat in his tomb. He sat in his cage. My guess is he probably just stared at the walls because I think he was in shock. Would that not shock you if you got sucked into a vacuum cleaner? This is probably on your screen. This is probably what he looked like. And, and this is what life does to us sometimes, right? Look at that crazy bird. Thank you, Kent Wilson from Micaiah Ministries for sending me that. Here, here's what's crazy and why I wanted to show you that picture. I, I can hear Jerry laughing in his bedroom. Here, here's what's crazy. Right when I was writing out, literally I was typing out this illustration, Kent Wilson sent me that picture just to make me laugh. Is that crazy or what? You, you think it's crazy, but it's the Holy Spirit. So I ended up using it. I told him I'm going to use that on Sunday because I was just typing up a story about a bird. We, we laugh, but come on, some of you some of you have walked into my office looking like this. Yeah. So, all humor aside, here's the truth. Some of us get shocked when bad things happen to us. Some of us get shocked when bad things happen to us. And we think, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a child of God. This is not supposed to happen to me. I serve other people, I, I go to church every week, I tithe, I love my neighbor, and if this is the way God is going to take care of me, I give up. Can I tell you something? I hope you hear this from heaven, because God is shouting this this morning. God wants you to sing again, and he puts a new song in your heart, but listen, listen, it's up to you to sing it. It's up to you to sing it. Okay, the devil has sucked you up again into his vacuum. Trouble has come what? I come again. I say, so what? So what? Jesus is alive. So what? Shake the dirt off. Clean yourself up. Renew your mind. Change your view. Some of you have to change an attitude. Put on a new attitude. Put back on the armor of God and get ready to sing because it's up to you to sing it. You know what? I actually think that most of us are waiting for someone else, another person, another human to rescue us. And they may, to some extent. I mean, we're teaching our people at Light and Life that we don't just walk, walk past a tomb or a pit. If someone is in a pit, we don't just walk by and go, gee, your life sucks. I'm gonna, that's terrible. you got a terrible life. I'm, I'm going to pray for you and then just walk on by. We also don't just walk by the tomb and say, man, your, your, your life is really out of whack right now. I'm going to give you a ladder so that you can climb out. Sometimes you have to climb out yourself. So start singing from the depths of your pit so that you have the strength to climb out when God offers you a ladder. But here at Light and Life, this is what we believe. We believe that when you walk by someone who's in a pit, that you don't just pray for them, you don't just offer them a ladder, you climb down in, no matter how dark, how deep, how damp, how ugly, and how many snakes and how many scorpions are down there. We climb in with you, and we help you come out. That's our goal at Light and Life. I'm just reminding my Light and Life church peeps. It can be yucky and it can be messy, but we go into people's backyards, the yard that they don't take care of, the yard that has dog poop all over it. We're willing to step in your dog poop to save you and bring you out of your backyard, to bring you out of your pit. I'm willing to get bit by vipers and, you know, honestly, they can't touch me. So I'm willing to get into your pit because those snakes, those serpents are under my feet. And I will come in and rescue you. That's, that's our heart as a church. i got to find my place now. So Jesus is alive, right? So we shake the dirt off, we clean ourselves up, we renew our mind, we put on a new attitude, and we get ready to sing. You know, some of us, I believe, don't want to leave our tomb. You know why? Because if we leave our tomb and get healthy, we won't get any attention. Oh, oh, snap. That hurts. Are you in your tomb because you lack relationships and you just want attention maybe you're having a pity party for yourself you want to you want to uh you're lacking attention from people or god i am convinced from david's life in the bible that sometimes sometimes we have to encourage ourselves to get out of the tomb and that is what today's message is all about you have to do it you have to do it you have to activate the word of god in your life if you're discouraged Praise God in the middle of your discouragement. And that's what David did. He encouraged himself. 
One more thing about this, and then I'll really get to the message, because I'm still not at the passage that we're going to read today. Uh, You're not laughing. Okay, listen. Be careful. Be careful what you speak from your tomb. Be careful what you speak from your tomb. Speak the word of God, not the word of despair, not the word of depression, not the word of hopelessness. Speak the word of God. Don't discourage yourself with your own words. I can hear you. I can hear you this morning. I can hear you saying, I'm stupid. No one likes me. I'll never get married. I mess up everything I touch. I'm lonely. I'm ugly. I'm fat. My hair is stupid. God doesn't care about me, and pastor doesn't care about me. How about speaking the word of God over your life? How about screaming the word of God from the middle of your tomb? How about saying things like, I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm blessed. I have favor. I have friends. God does love me, and so does the pastor. So here's the statement of the day. Are you ready for the statement of the day? And then I'm going to do a short message for this Easter. I'm still in the introduction. I just want you to write this down. If you want to come out of your tomb, if you want to come out of your tomb today, you have to quit the things that are keeping you there. Statement of the day. If you want to come out of your tomb, you have to quit the things that are keeping you there. Wow, that's a gold nugget of truth right there. Now, let's get to the message so Jerry can get to his food, okay? Now for my Easter message, I'm going to try to be quick. Don't you dare move. You never know if I'm going to post another funny picture, okay? No one's laughing. Hey, listen, it's not my fault you go to a church that doesn't watch the clock, okay? So stop looking at your clock. Turn off the ham. It won't burn. It can wait. Turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. What I want to do next in closing is to show you the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. The story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And you can connect to this story in John chapter 11. You can connect this story to Jesus' own resurrection story. And listen, you can connect this story that we're about to read to your own resurrection story that is happening right now. (laughs) Yes, Jesus. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Do do, do you realize, Light and Life folks, we have two former agnostics and atheists And Mark posted it during our Good Friday service. This is their very first Easter celebrating the risen Savior. Does that not make you emotional, folks? The fact that, that you're willing to go into some people's pits and climb into their dark places and you brought two agnostics out and they are celebrating a risen Savior for the first time in their life. That should excite you. That's what this message is all about. We can't minister from a, from a tomb. We have to get out and be willing to climb into other people's tombs and bring them out, right? So the situation here with Lazarus is very bad. He's put in a tomb because he's dead. Remember that point. He's put into a tomb. The whole message hinges on that point. A bad odor, the Bible says, has started to come out from his body. Everyone said that the situation has gone from bad to worse. No one could help him. Let me read it to you from John chapter 11. Watch this closely now, please. Please don't get lost in the story and only think of Lazarus. I want you to think about what this means for you. John chapter 11, 1 through 44, but don't worry, we're not going to read every verse. We're going to end on time. John chapter 11, 1 through 44. Now a man, verse 1, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Check out verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, listen, because this is what he's saying to you, this sickness will not end in death. Wow. No, this sickness is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified. What does it say? Through it. Through it. Just wondering, are you allowing God's glory to come through your sickness, through your tomb? through your situation, through the fact that you just lost your job due to a dumb virus? Is God's glory being shown? Are you praising him still? Through it. Amen? Did you hear that? We forget that inside our tombs. Verse 11. Jump down to verse 11. After after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. 
He's talking to his disciples. But what does he say next? But I'm going there to wake him up. <laughs> I'm going there to wake you up. I don't know about you, but that gives me chills. The story goes on. Jesus arrives to Martha, and this is what he says to her in verse 21. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said what he's saying to you today, your brother will rise again. This is so powerful. The story continues to the pinnacle point. Keep watching this closely, reading between the lines for your own situation. Are you ready? Verse 38, verse 38. Jesus, once more, what does it say? Deeply moved. Now, Jesus was emotional here because Lazarus was one of his closest friends. He was a friend of Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, right? How many of you know that from studying scriptures? But I want to ask you something. Isn't he your friend as well? Even though you're in a tomb, isn't he still your friend? Even though you still are doing that thing and you still have that addiction, isn't Jesus still your friend? So he is deeply moved about your situation. And watch what he wants to do next with your situation. He was moved, and then he came to the tomb. Do you realize that Jesus is in the tomb with you? Or have you believed the lies that he isn't, and that he doesn't care about you? Huh? Come on. You need to own this. It goes on. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, the dead man, he's already gone. No hope for him, right? And I know some of you feel like you've committed the unpartable sin. There's no hope for you just because there's consequences. You think there's no hope. The consequences is not a sign of no hope. The, the consequences is just a sign of an earthly sin that you still have to follow through with. But you can gain your trust back. You can be restored because dead men get risen again through the power of Jesus Christ. Okay? Amen. The, said the sister of the dead man, by this time there was a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? Did I not tell you? This is what he's saying to you right next to you in your tomb of addiction or despair or depression. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Jesus is calling to you from inside your tomb, and he's asking you, do you believe? Do you believe that I can use that pain? Do you believe that I can use that hurt, that offense, that loss that you experienced, the loneliness that you feel, the thing that put you in the tomb in the first place? Do you believe that I can use it for God's glory? If you believe, you will see the glory of God in that situation on your weaknesses, and on your troubles. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe, that they may believe that you sent me. Now listen, this is where we get a lot of wrong, a lot wrong about our situations and troubles in this life. We get so self-centered we get so self-focused, we get so selfish that when something goes wrong in our life or our life doesn't pan out the way we think it should, we forget that our response, let me repeat that, our response, our response to any situation really matters to the kingdom of God. Let me repeat that. When we find ourselves uh, in, a, in a bad situation or trouble, we get so self-centered that we forget that our response really matters for the kingdom of God. And also, do you know what else we forget? We forget that our response to any persecution or trouble really matters to our own personal testimony. If you're in a tomb, I don't, I don't know if you have a testimony. You're not a good one, right? We have to rise up, we have to come out and respond well to whatever put us in the tomb in order to have a testimony, a testimony for freedom, a testimony for Easter, for what Jesus really died on the cross for. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, for the benefit of people who are watching your life, you can't remain in that tomb of despair and depression because I want them to believe in me. You have to rise up and come out of that tomb of death. 
You see, what we make about me is almost never about me. Just always remember this about life. What, we, what I make about me is almost never about me. Amen. Verse 43, let's close this up. 40, 43. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That's what he's saying to you today. Come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus is saying to you what he said to Lazarus, who, by the way, was still in his tomb when Jesus spoke. Jesus is speaking to you into your tomb. Jesus is speaking right to you on this Easter, and he's saying this, this. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory of God so that God's Son may be glorified through your sickness. I am going there into your tomb to wake you up. You will rise again. If you believe, you will see the glory of God upon your circumstance that they may believe. Come out. Come out. That's your word from heaven today. Rise up and come out. But there's more. You got to remember when a free Methodist pastor said in closing, there's another 20 minutes. So there's not. Okay, there's more. There's more to this. And this is true. With, I believe the Holy Spirit showed me this when I was reading the end of this. I thought I was done. And then the Holy Spirit just gave me another two pages. So we're going to go really quick through this. This is true with Lazarus and Jesus and you. What did he say at the end of verse 44? He said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. How do I read that? When you rise up and you come out, there's another step because now when you rise up and come out of your tomb, you are no longer identified by your tomb clothes. Let me repeat that. When you rise up and come out of your addiction, you are no longer identified by your addiction. When you rise up and come out of whatever sin you're in or whatever tomb you're in, you are no longer identified by your tomb clothes any longer. So take off. Take off the clothes of depression. Take off unworthiness. Take off jealousy and anger and addiction and depression and mental illness. Take off perfection. Take off hurtful words that are spoken over you. Let me repeat that. You have had people speak hurtful words over you. Take them off. Those are your grave clothes. You're not supposed to walk around with grave clothes because you're out of your pit of despair. Take them off now, right now, and go. Now, where do you go? <laughs> to your rightful place. To your rightful place. You were never meant to live in a tomb of darkness and despair and death. That is not your rightful place as a son and daughter of the King of Kings. You were created for royalty. You were created for royalty as a child of the creator of the universe. And people do not get to define who you are by their words. Only God does. And you are his child. You are defined by him. And according to him, you're his son. You're his daughter. And he is the king of kings, which makes you royalty. And that's why you can walk into someone else's pit and you can stomp on the head of a serpent that's biting them. Because you have power and authority that Jesus gave you at the cross, after the cross. He positioned himself to sit at the right hand of Father, and now the Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places. We have that authority. We don't need to be scared of any serpent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 2, I'm just getting fired up, and I'm going to have to end. It's going to really bother me. I'm just going to have to stay here for another hour and preach to Dusty and Alex and, and Richard and Keith. First Peter chapter 2, 9 through 10. Let me just remind you what it declares. You, you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who what? Called you out of darkness. Called you out of your dark, damp, lonely tomb of death into his marvelous light. We were once lost, but now we are found. We were once without God's mercy, but now we have obtained his mercy. God is saying to you today, the tomb that you're in is not where you should be. I have work for you to do. Let me repeat that. The tomb that you're in is not where you should be because God has work for you to do. By the way, 
Ever wonder why Satan wants you to stay in your tomb? Ever wonder that? Because just like Jesus, you're a threat to him. You are, you're supposed to be anyways. You're a threat to him. That's why he doesn't want you to get rid of those words that have been spoken over you that you're fat and ugly. Because he wants you to stay in the tomb. He wants you to stay defeated. Because if you come out and if you don't let those words stick, if you put your armor on, if you put your breastplate on, those words just bounce off of you and you just keep attacking and he's scared to death of you because you have everything that he wanted that he got, he lost. We are supposed to be a threat to our enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, that only happens if you rise up. That only happens if you come out. That only happens if you take your rightful place. Okay? Jesus has done what he, is, he was called to do. Now it's your turn to rise up, come out, and do what you were called to do. What if Jesus said, I was thinking this, what if Jesus said, you know what? Nah, I'm not coming out. You know what? At least finally people will start feeling sorry for me, especially after what I just went through last week. You know what? No. Forget them. Can you imagine that? I'll tell you why Jesus rose up and came out of the tomb. Because the power of God was on full display when Jesus came out. So listen, when you rise up, look at the screen, when you rise up and come out of your tomb of hopelessness, that's when the power of God is on full display to the world. This is when the power of the gospel and the power of your testimony is on full display to a dark, damp world full of death. But it doesn't if you stay in your tomb. And some of you needed to hear that this morning. Some of you need to actually respond to that this morning, and we're going to give you a chance. So Linda, listen. L listen, Linda. L listen. Linda, listen. Think about how many times you laid in your tomb of despair, and you spent hours and days and months and even years asking this question. Why did this have to happen to me? Why did this have to happen to me? You see, you think, you think that the event that you went through is what defines you. Oh, no, 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 child of God. No, no, no. The event doesn't define you. It's your response to the event that defines you. Let me repeat that. You think that the event is what defines you, but it's not. It's your response to any circumstance of life that defines who you are. Rise up. Come out. This is your response. Rise up, come out, and take your rightful place as a child of God. Now, some of you are still in your tomb because you actually don't believe. Can I remind you what Scripture says? Those who believe in me shall have eternal life. Jesus believed God and obeyed his word, and because of his belief and because of his obedience, he received his blessing and his inheritance. So I just want to leave you with one more statement. Two more, actually. I just want you to leave you with this. The tomb was temporary. Everybody say temporary. The tomb was temporary. It was just a vehicle to Jesus' inheritance. So look, look at that last statement. This is what I want to really just, just scribe into you. You were never meant to be in your tomb longer than three days. So does that mean I get to be angry for three days if Pastor Mark ticks me off? Let me remind you of something, that our time is not God's time. <laughs> so that might mean three minutes. You were never meant to be in your tomb longer than three minutes. So rise up, come out, and take your rightful place. Take your rightful inheritance. You know what your inheritance is? It's, a, and it's an inheritance of freedom. It's an inheritance of healing in the name of Jesus. Some of you are going to receive that today. It's, a, it's an inheritance of provision. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. If the birds wake up and have something to eat and he loves me more than the birds, what do I have to worry about? I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I don't need to worry about today or tomorrow or what it brings because my God loves me more than the birds and they wake up and have something to eat every single day. You have an inheritance of treasure you have an inheritance of gifts, of promises, of love, of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and for crying out loud, self-control. Yes. Let's have the worship team come. I'm going to pray with you, and then we're just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate with a song that Angel and Dusty wrote. 
We're going we're gonna to celebrate with a song that they wrote, and it's called Walking Free. Um, um, I want to read. I want to read. Before I pray with you, I just want to read this because I want you to get this. No, I ain't no prisoner of a tomb. Now, this, the, the song says, no, I ain't no prisoner of war. I don't know how they got away with that, that word ain't, but I think it's in the dictionary now. No, I ain't no prisoner of war. I'm not a prisoner of a tomb. Because you have set the captives free. You broke these chains off of me. Now I am redeemed. So I dance in my tomb like I believe. And I dance right out of it. We're not going to stay in the tomb and dance. We're going to dance right out of it. Maybe your dancing is what will break. I'm going to challenge. I want to see how many people will text me today. And you will get 100 points. 100 points in our, our, this is not planned. Anybody that texts me with a picture of someone in your home dancing to this song will get 100 points towards our scavenger hunt. There you go. So I dance like I believe. I sing like I believe. I live like I am free. The enemy can't walk all over me. Lord, you know why? Because I believe. Oh, I fight for victory. I'm going to break these chains off of me. You say you opened those prison doors, so I'm walking free. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. So I just, I just want everybody to just bow their heads. And if this is not you, if I'm not talking about you, I just want you to pray for the person I'm talking about. If you're, if you're listening to this and, you've, and you've, been in a, you've been in a tomb of unbelief and God just shook your tomb. God just shook your tomb and you're, something happened and you heard something, you felt something, you sensed something this morning. And now you're starting to believe that there may be a God, that he is real. Listen, I have two agnostics and an atheist. I'm not sure what they call them, former, their former grave clothes. I'm not sure what they call it. But I can hook you up with them, and, and they can have a conversation with you. Just contact me. And they can have a conversation with you of what brought them out of that tomb and, and, and what will help you shake off those grave clothes and go and be a child of God. But you have to say, Father, forgive me for my sins. I want to make you the Lord and master of my life. I surrender my will to your will. Thank you for inviting me into your family. I want to be a child of the king. I want to be royalty. I'm tired of laying in this cave. I'm tired of laying in the, this, this tomb of doubt and fear and unrest. Hallelujah. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord this Easter. And maybe you're out there and, and you used to serve the Lord and somebody hurt you and the church hurt you and you walked away. Can I just start this out by saying, please forgive us? Can I speak for the whole church and say, forgive us for hurting you? But please don't label all Christians and all churches like the church that you experienced in a bad way because we're not, we're not them. And so your prayer just needs to be fathered. I just want to restore my relationship with you today. I put myself in a tomb. I, le- I left the tomb door cracked. I didn't seal it. But here I am, lonely. I'm hurt. I'm full of bitterness and anger towards the church and towards you, God, because you abandoned me. But now I know that you were in here the whole time with me. Will, and I just want to be free from this despair and this depression and all of this hate towards the organized church. Set me free and you will be free indeed. He's going to rescue you from that. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Christ. You attend church. You pay your tithes. You're a good citizen. Maybe you've just lost your song. And you just cry out to God today from that place and just say, Father, I want a new song. And I don't want just a new song, Father. I want to sing the latest God song. Will you place a new purpose on my heart? Will you place a new love, a new passion, the same passion that that enabled Jesus to go through Holy Week and die for me on the cross? Will you give me that energy, that passion, and that focus again? Give me the latest God song. And maybe you're a mature Christian and and you don't don't realize maybe you're a Christian and you just kind of sealed yourself up from people. Um, You sealed yourself up and, and God's calling you to rise up Come out of your tomb and take your rightful place in the kingdom of God. And for you, that means you need to get your voice back. You need to hang out with people as soon as this virus is over. And you need to start shouting the praises of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to start setting people free. You need to be willing to go into other people's pits, but you got to fix yourself first. You got to come out of your own tomb. God doesn't want us to stay broken. People say God uses broken people. Yes, he does. But it doesn't mean he wants us to stay broken forever. He wants us whole. 
and righteous and holy so that when we go into other people's pits, we can stomp on those snakes and they don't have the power to bite us or kill us with their venom. So if that's you today and you're a mature Christian, but you just feel like you just kind of tombed yourself up from people because people bother you, that is not your rightful place. Read the story of Jesus and all the outcasts in society, the people that turned people off. He leaned into them. He was actually attracted to them more than anyone else. The people that embarrass you are the people that Jesus was attracted to. The people that annoy you are the people, you know, the people with addictions and the people that, that, that smoke and you think they're going to hell because they're smoking and it just annoys the crap out of you because you're so pure and you're so righteous and so holy, Pharisee, that goes to church every Sunday. Oh, the same people that annoy you are the ones that Jesus was attracted to. So, Father, I'm asking you to take me out of my Pharisee tomb, out of my Sadducee pit. Help me to stop being so self-righteous that, I don't, I, that I'm not humble anymore. Help me not to even have false humility where I can speak it, but inside I'm really uh, 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 spiritually proud of myself. Help me to stay humble before your face no matter how much I know about you or get about you. Help me to come out of that tomb of religion. Help me to come out of that tomb of religion and legalism and stop pointing my fingers at other churches and other church leaders and other people and just fix my relationship with you in the name of Jesus. Help me to come out of this tomb of religion. I hope you were blessed today. Can I leave you with something? I, I, happy Easter, by the way. Enjoy your family. But can I just leave you with one statement? There is power. There is power in an empty tomb. I have a question. Is there going to be power in an empty church? Like Jesus did, church people, will you carry the power of God out of your church? Amen. Let's sing. Let's celebrate. Let's stare at our enemy and shout a hallelujah in his face. Hallelujah, Jesus.